0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to No Words Left Unspoken. I'm your host, writer, poet, and playwright, DJ DeJuan. Thank you so much for joining me for another very special episode with yet another very special guest. Today, I will be joined in conversation and get to interview actress, singer, and dancer straight off of Broadway in the musical Hamilton, Lauren Boyd. So without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea and enjoy No Words Left Unspoken with today's special guest, Lauren Boyd.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to No Words Left Unspoken. Today I am here with actress, singer, and dancer, straight off of Broadway herself, Miss Lauren Boyd. How are you, Lauren?
2: Hi, DJ, I'm excellent. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. All right, so if it's okay with you, I'm gonna ask you some questions
2: of course please ask away (laughs) okay
1: um so let's start with your story what influenced you to become an actor or what drew you to theater
2: well i always loved dancing i was a really shy kid and i felt like dancing was the best way i could express myself so i ended up becoming a dancer first and trained as a classical ballet dancer all the way up until about high school and that's finally when I transitioned into musical theater because I knew that I loved jazz and tap and hip-hop as well and all of these types of dance. I wanted to encompass it all and that's when I started auditioning for musical theater and then slowly but surely, you know, made my way into that realm. But what was great was I had that ballet training and that technique with me to really, you know, stand out for those auditions.
1: Excellent. excellent. Um, what is your favorite aspect of theater? Do you prefer dancing, acting, or singing more? Or do you love all of them equally?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I I probably would have said dancing, you know, a few years ago. But you can't have dancing without good acting. Like, you have to be a storyteller. I think that's true for any dancer, whether they're in musical theater or not. If they're in ballet they're storytelling, they're, you know, being the swan in Swan Lake and you know having all of these emotions. And then more recently I've fallen in love with um, with singing because I I also understudy Miss Peggy Mariah and so I get to do that as well and that's been really fun to tap into and explore that character and learn how much um, singing and, and vocal storytelling is just as important as, you know, movement storytelling and acting storytelling. Um, so I've, I would say probably all three, like they can't co- coexist without each other. They really need um, every one of them to be, you know, expressed and to tell the beautiful story that we say, you know, eight times a week. And there's you know there's different types of storytelling like art and you know podcasts and all of these things like you can tell many many stories many different ways
1: i would totally agree um that's one of the great things about the arts there are so many different ways to tell so many different stories and that's the great thing about being multi-talented too you have your choice of how you want to tell a story um you can tell it in a lot of different ways and I think that's really cool and I definitely love the blend of bringing all those ways together and telling one great beautiful story I always found that very beautiful and very inspiring
2: thank you yes it's kind of like being able to speak many different languages you know like I I can speak at least three languages and and maybe you speak three or four like that's that's awesome because then we can relate to everybody around us who speaks the same language or if they don't they can still look at it and think it's beautiful.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Um,
1: So we know you've been in Hamilton Mm -hmm. and that's been great. Um, But tell me about some other productions you've been in before we talk about Hamilton.
2: Of course, yeah. I was in the first national tour of West Side Story. So that was the last production that Arthur Lawrence had worked on before he passed. And he was the writer of West Side Story, um, the original writer. And we also got to um, meet Leonard Bernstein's son. So he was in the rehearsals with us and that was super exciting. That was my first kind of real gig in New York City. Uh, We performed at, or sorry, we rehearsed at the Duke 42 Studios on 42nd, which I think is now just the the 42nd Street Studios. And after that, I joined uh, Wicked, the first national tour. And I love that show. I love it so much. I named my dog after the characters in the show. Like, I have Nessa Rose as my dog. Um, and then she had puppies, Fiero and Alphaba. So, big, big fan. Love it so much. And really, um, I spent four years with, with Wicked. So, that was, you know, a really um, awesome thing was to be with that show.
0: Sounds
1: amazing. What roles did you play in West Side Story and Wicked?
2: In West Side Story, I was in the ensemble, so I um, was Bebecita, she wears like this really roughly purple dress, It's so cute, and then I understudied uh, Consuela, and she's the one um, who has the blonde hair. She's the only blonde in the show. Uh, in Wicked, I was a Shiz University student, a Flying Monkey, um, a Citizen of Oz, you know, all, all the good ensemble roles. <laughs> sounds great thank you yeah it's fun
1: um yeah i haven't gotten to see wicked for myself just yet but i do hope to when maybe broadway opens back up i'm very excited for that yay
2: oh yes i'm so excited i can't wait but yes, yes you have to see the show it's it's a really beautiful show timeless
1: Yes, I could tell that's something really special from the few songs I've heard. I've only heard about maybe at the most three, but I do intend to hopefully see it one day. That definitely is on the list, absolutely. Honestly. And I've seen the movie, of West Side Story, so that's been fun too.
2: Um, awesome. Great. Yeah.
1: So um, as you've mentioned before, you also did some work with the cast of Hamilton. So um, tell me what that's been like. What was the auditioning process like? Do you have any favorite memories, things like that? Tell me all about it.
2: Okay. Um. So I'm from Southern California originally, and I was born and raised there. Um, I did my, my tours for about seven years total. Um, and then after Wicked had closed, I came back to California and spent one whole year just kind of uh, going back to class and training and, you know getting grounded again before I decided I wanted to move to New York like make the official you know the big move across country to New York. Um, Once I had moved to New York my agent was like they're auditioning in LA for Hamilton I was like oh no so I had to fly back audition in Los Angeles and that was the first time I met Andy Blankenbuehler. It was the first time I had heard some of the music. Like, I, re- I heard Room Where It Happens, and I was like, wow, this is a good beat. Like, I really like this. I should probably see this show. <laughs> and uh, I also met, um, who was there? Alex Lackamore was there, and he got to hear me sing. Um, so that was really great. The audition went super well. Um, but then, you know, like most auditions, you don't hear back. So I was like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't get that. But I could I could tell they liked me, so I was like, you know, still hopeful. And when I went back to New York and was getting settled in there, I got a call that they wanted to see me again. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I went back in, learned Yorktown and learned uh, some other, you know, dances. It was, a uh, am trying to remember now. There was, each, each time I went in for the audition, I learned something new. So I was never repeating the same choreography. I was like almost like um, I was in rehearsals for the show, like just kept learning new material. So I thought that was really, really cool that they did it like that, just to kind of get a very big idea of what um, the dancers should be capable of. We are, we have to do um, Yorktown, which is very, rigid and and um it's like you know we're in war and we have these these rifles that we have. And uh with Room Where It Happens it's very sultry and almost, you know, Fossy Verdon inspired. And I know Andy is super inspired by him. Um, hence why he directed, you know, Fossy Verdon the or, you know, the show. Um, so I think um After that, we had uh, what was called a boot camp. So they brought brought people that were their favorites into this room and taught them more of the show. So I basically learned like a big, big, big chunk of the show just through auditions and boot camps, which was really great because I kind of was able to get a sense of what was happening. But it didn't keep me from like going on YouTube and like looking up the show and actually trying to watch a bootleg of it because I was like, I don't know what this show is about. I've only heard bits and pieces of this music and I want like a full grasp of of what it's about. So the first time I say I would ever I had ever seen the show was probably online. (laughs) Which is terrible. But it was still it didn't take away. I thought it was I thought it was so beautiful. Um and when I finished that boot camp, um, I had been brought in another time, this last, very last time where it was at the Ripley Greer studios in New York City. And we were there from 9 in the morning until like 5 p.m. It was a very, very, very long day. We got to work with other dancers, do partnering, things like that, people that they really were considering, right? And then at the end of it, um, they bring me in to sing. So I'm singing with Alex Lacamoire. And he's like, okay, sing, sing higher and sing higher. And they kept having me sing higher. And I was like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I guess he wanted to see, you know, my range or something. Um, but it was really cool because they really want us to succeed. You know, the, the faster they cast a show, the, the better, right? It saves, saves them time and money and energy. So I finish, you know, my singing portion, I leave and they bring me back in and they say, okay, when are you available for a fitting? And I was like, okay, like (laughs) that doesn't happen. You don't ever get asked, you know, when are you available for a fitting after an audition? So they were definitely looking for me. they had told me, my agent had told me, that they were looking for someone um, to fill, like, last minute. I guess because um, Carly Bedial, the original woman won, she was had just put her notice in or something like that. Something to that effect. And so they were, like, scrambling, you know, to, to find someone that could fit the role. And that was me. So I was super grateful. I, I heard when I was flying actually back home to California for a wedding and I land and I see a missed call from my agent. I was like, Oh my goodness. And I, I called her back right away and she was like, you're going to make your Broadway debut in Hamilton. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I started crying and you know, just so exciting. And the the poor woman next to me is like looking at me like, are you okay? (laughs) And I just, you know, it was just a moment of just joy because of all of the hard work and all of the auditions and i want to say from the very first audition which was in april of 2016 till i got hired was around october so many many months of just like hoping and wishing and praying that i got the show and i did so <laughs> pretty that cool sounds
1: incredible
2: Thank you. I gave you the long-winded version. Usually, I cut it short, but I got
1: time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's a, it's a it's my story, so I I think it's pretty cool.
1: It's very inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that.
2: Of course, yeah, anytime.
1: Um, yeah, I find that incredibly moving because there are so many people, even today, who see shows and see you know people do their thing on Broadway and they think that can never be them, they think it can never happen to them, they're like yeah that's only for like good people or they seem so intimidated and you know even young people dream of being on stage, I know I personally have, I've dreamed of being on stage and even writing plays, I've been writing plays since I was eight and I've dreamed of being on stage since I was uh, about four really in Saul's the movie musical dream girls for the first time and That's awesome. wanting that to be me <laughs> um so what advice would you give to young people or two people who want that to be them but are too scared or too intimidated or feel like they're not good enough or their self-esteem is a little low and they feel like that couldn't be
2: um that is definitely a reality and i want to encourage them because even to this day, I, I get low self-esteem and I think I can't do it. And I think what makes a difference between someone who actually pushes through and succeeds and someone who gives into that fear is exactly that. They're giving into that fear. They're giving into the, the, the thoughts that they can't do it and they're not good enough. But I'm here to tell you, if you want it bad enough, you, you can do it. My favorite quote is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And there's a lot of talented people out in this world who just don't work hard, you know. So if you have that drive and you have that passion and you have that want, I say keep going, keep fighting. There's gonna, there's tons of people who are going to resist and say, no, you can't do it. Again, even now I'm getting that. I'm getting people who give the push back and say, no, nope, you can't do it, but um, just keep going. Honestly, I, I can't picture my life any different because, you know, seeing Wicked, I was in the nosebleed section, the very, very last row of the Pantages Theater, watching this show, and there was this stirring in my in my gut, in my soul, that was like, I need to be in this show. I have to like there's no other choice and for me that's what really gave me the desire and the push to go through I probably auditioned for wicked maybe six or seven times and each time they cut me and that that was no was not an answer for me Like I, I just knew I was gonna be in that show and so I kept going up to them afterwards and being like okay I know I got cut What can I work on for next time? And each time I went in, they told me something different. You know, oh, you can work on this, you can work on this. And uh, one specific time they said, oh, you're too young. And I was like, okay, I can work on that. You know, like, there's small little things that that you learn, and if you don't fail, you won't learn them. So I definitely, you know, encourage people to fail, but then also to get right back up and, and push again because it's, it's, it makes a difference between the people who stay down, they feel like they failed, and they stay down. And then they, they resort to, you know, doing something that's easy. Broadway is not easy. Musical theater is not easy. Podcasts, those are not easy. But you've pushed through and you've succeeded and you've made it. So, just, <laughs> I hope I've encouraged, you know, someone who's listening to this because it really is, it's, you have to have thick skin. Like if you put my skin under a microscope, it's about this thick because so many, so much rejection, so much, you know, um, painful words have been spoken to me over the years, but you just gotta push through.
1: I would totally agree with that. Um, (laughs) I once saw this very random thing on Instagram once, uh, and it was two acronyms for FEAR which mm-hmm. could be be befriend of everything and run or face everything and rise. And I found that to be incredibly powerful. And I know for me personally, rejection is not something that I'm really used to. It's not something that I necessarily like and no one likes rejection. Right. But like you said, you can grow from it. You can learn from it. It can be something that you can use. This can only be no for now. You don't have to let that keep you down. And I think that's incredibly empowering, for sure. Um, And I think that's a fantastic lesson to learn, especially in this business.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, So you've been in Wicked, you've been in Hamilton, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Do you have any other dream roles that you hope to fill in the future?
2: yeah um i definitely want to you know add some movies to my credits that would be great i would love to be in chicago the musical maybe roxy Hart or or velma whoever i just want to be in the show um i would love to be also in an in an original musical theater show that would be really great um yeah i uh I'll tell you a quick story of that kind of ties in the rejection and, you know, wanting to push for the, the new chapter in my career. But um, I had auditioned for West Side Story, the movie. And they narrowed it down from a couple thousand people who had auditioned to there were 23 girls in the room with Steven Spielberg. So I got to dance for him. and. Um, A couple of the producers were in there. It was really cool. And after that audition, I also was brought back in to read on camera. And I didn't get it. But a lot of my friends did, and so I'm super excited for them. Really excited to see this movie. But that was hard for me. That was like one of those moments of, you know, of rejection. Or it feels like rejection. It's not, you know, but that doesn't mean that my dream of having you know a movie credit is impossible just gotta push harder and you know work work at getting that goal so yeah
1: yeah sounds amazing thank you um i look forward to the work that you'll be doing both on stage and on screen i'm sure it's going to be great i'm sure it's going to be amazing thank you yeah and um speaking of other things that you've done between stage and screen. um, I regularly saw on Instagram once that you are also a founder of something called Broadway Babes. What's that? Tell us about that.
2: Of course, yes. So Broadway Babes is an outreach program that blesses senior citizens one Broadway show at a time. And basically what that means is it's um, a volunteer basis of of me coming in and teaching seniors how to tap dance. And some of them have performed before. Some of them haven't. They've never even danced, you know, in their life. Um, but it's just a moment to really um, spread love and joy to these seniors because they are often forgotten. Um, and I think with you know the with COVID and the pandemic, it's it's now being brought to light that they do need so much love. They need so much attention, and we need to really take care of them. So I've done this program for about. 10 years now, four or five in New York City. And the idea is we get um, people to send in their old tap shoes. And then we have the seniors use those tap shoes, so that they can dance. And it's, it's just a, a way to connect with these, um, these seniors who, you know, love music and love dancing. And then they have a recital in the spring. So it's been tough during this pandemic time because we haven't been able to meet in person but i'm really hoping that we get to start up soon and and start the program back up again
1: it sounds great
2: thank you yeah i love it
1: yeah it sounds really nice
2: it's cool because one of our seniors she was in the original production of showboat with donald o'connor so i get to hear these awesome stories about you know these old performers who you know just have lived incredible lives so it's really cool
1: sounds interesting thank you um so as someone on broadway and knowing that broadway is coming back and all Mm -hmm. um, are there any hopes that you have for the future of broadway or what do you hope to see going forward in broadway or on stage in general
2: yeah i hope to see um A lot more kindness for others. Um, I know Hamilton has been extremely um, persistent and incredible about uh, creating this social task force where we talk about social justices and and um, and things that need to be addressed as far as you know harassment whatever whatever it is. They're really focusing on eliminating um, any negativity and really going towards you know a positive work environment and I think that should be um, looked at across the board for Broadway in general and I think they're doing a really good job of, of doing that this is a great time to reset and start over and come back to work with really um, with ways to encourage their employees to stay kind and nice and joyful and you would think that would be a really easy thing but you know maybe with all of you know I'm not trying to make excuses but maybe with the fear that's involved of you know rejection and things like that people you know come across with this kind of defense mechanism so let's hope that it doesn't it doesn't go back to what it was it continues to push forward and and create this this new movement of you know care and love for others
1: Absolutely. Um, I hope all the exact same things for the future of Broadway. Um, And I'm also still very excited because there are lots of new stories coming to the stage also. And I love that. I love seeing new stories. I want more stories. I want more stories featuring people of color and Mm -hmm. different um, races and sexual orientations and things like that. I wish all of that for not only Broadway, but for stages all across the world, really, because... Mm -hmm. I believe we need that now more than ever. And I feel like that's something important that we should definitely be looking at.
2: Absolutely. And maybe DJ, you're the the person to write that story. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? <laughs>
1: that would be.
2: <laughs> I, I wouldn't
1: mind grabbing a Tony or something like that, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's on my list as well. Get a Tony. Like your your dream list can be, you know, miles long. But make it specific. That's the important thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Um. So. What else inspires you to keep going in this industry? Is there anything that um acts as a sort of main motivation for you?
2: Yeah, it's it's the fans. They they love this show so much. They they spend their money and their time and their efforts to come see us perform, and that's really humbling. And so I try to make sure to um, sign the playbills after every show, like even even though I'm tired. And, you know, I don't do it every night because there are times where I just need to go home. But I really try to make an effort to sign the playbills because without the audience, we wouldn't have a story to tell, too. You know, so they're, they're the most important, and I've had people fly from the Philippines and fly from Australia just to come see us, and again, that's like, I it's super humbling, and I used to be the audience member, the, the one on the other side of the gate, you know, getting those autographs, and so I think it's super important to connect with them, and now with, you know, us coming back, I don't know that we're going to be able to do that, to sign playbills, um, so connecting with the audience through social media is like super convenient, super cool, you know, they can ask me their questions, we can meet virtually, DJ, that's so awesome. I hope to meet you in person, but you know, obviously safely, of course. Um, so that's, that's probably, um, you know, the future of being able to connect with fans is, is through social media, so yeah. If you want to anybody wants to hit me up on the dms feel free i i try to make sure to contact um or to reply to everybody
1: that's fantastic um and that's one of the things that i loved about asking to meet um because it was really just a shot in the dark for me i have into so many dms to get guests for the podcast and everything like that and a lot of them have been wild shots in the dark and honestly <laughs> i don't I try not to get my hopes up too high because if I get my hopes up too high and never get a response, then that's, you know, a bummer. It's very disappointing. So I try not to get my hopes up too high, um, but also when I do get that response, the feeling is absolutely incredible. So yeah. thank you for responding. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, and DJ, I mean, you've been persistent and, you know, that's like, how many times have you gotten, I guess, rejected, you could say? like probably more than the times you get, you know, responses. So
1: yes,
2: (laughs) that's just another great accomplishment for you. So awesome job.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely been a challenge for sure. Um, Not only doing the podcast, but um, like I said, I write plays. I've been writing plays for Mm -hmm. almost 11 years now. It will be going on 11 in August. Um, I still remember almost the exact sort of time in my life when I started writing plays as an eight year old. Um, and that journey and things like that there have been highs and lows with that too Um, Mm -hmm. I still have yet to get a play of mine actually on an actual stage but I do hope to do that that would be incredible I have so many good stories to tell um, so many interesting things some of which I'll even share here on the podcast Um, you never know what season three might bring
2: (laughs) that would be awesome if you ever need a reader I will happily read for you
1: I actually do. So that would be fantastic.
2: Thank you. <laughs> of course. I know for writers, they're like, I just need people to read my stuff. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that really is a writer's bread and brother. <laughs> like getting people to read their stuff and getting it, you know, just to hear it from someone who's not us, you know, because we know what we think. <laughs>
2: yeah, You're like, oh, it sounds great when I read it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Then else like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, get it.
1: Totally. Yeah. Like I know how I want it to sound and I know what I'm envisioning for it, but you know, it might sound different to a director or an actor or a music director or choreographer or things like that.
2: Yeah. Everyone
1: has a different opinion, so it's good to get different voices that aren't ones in your head, essentially.
2: (laughs) That's why it's so fascinating to me that productions actually that get on the stage are so successful because there's so many ideas, so many, you know, brains, you know, into this big melting pot. Like how do you, it just boggles my mind how they can, you know, Hamilton, for instance, you know, it's Andy and Lynn and Alex and Tommy, all four of them, brilliant. But like, how does one not overshadow the other? Like they have to like just coincide so perfectly. So it's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never really gotten to experience that full on for myself just yet, but I do hope to collaborate with more directors and actors and things like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it is really all about teamwork, I would imagine. Um, you know, as long as everyone has an equal say, and it's kind, like you said, mm-hmm. then things should run smoothly. And I believe that completely. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so these have been really inspiring stories. I've loved hearing all of your stories. Thank you so much for sharing with us.
2: Yes, of course. Thank you for having me.
1: Anytime. (laughs) Um, So those are all my questions. Thank you once again for joining us. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to uh, talk more with you soon.
2: Sounds good, DJ. We'll see you soon.
0: That concludes this episode of No Words Left Unspoken. I'd like to give a special thanks to my guest for this episode, Lauren Boyd. It has been an honor and a pleasure getting to meet you and sit down with you and ask you questions, what an inspiring story you have, and I cannot wait to see what you do in the future, and I can't wait until we get to do something again. It's always been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to... All of you who have been listening, thank you, I appreciate your love and support, and I can't wait to do more exciting things for you and with you in the future. That is my time for today, thank you, I'll see you next time, and until then, keep staging